Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Joe Cook, joined as always by Justin Wells. It's another edition of Questions Answered. Can't wait to get to this one. Playoffs, portal, recruiting, all different stuff to talk about over at Inside Texas and On Texas Football. But we're going to take a quick look back at the 2023 regular season and offer some postseason awards. Justin, it was quite a year, 12-1. and one college football playoff appearance most wins since 2009 first big 12 title appearance since 2018 first conference title win since 2009 a lot of first a lot of history in this season as texas departs the big 12 yeah yeah uh, you, you named it all you i mean there's it it's just it, this is what every texas fan has been waiting for since the end of the the rose bowl in 2009 between texas and alabama it's it's coming back to fruition. College sports is cyclical. And I think we're starting to see Texas starting to trend back up. Um, Yeah, the number three spot I think was huge. Getting in the playoff is huge. But the truth is there's a lot of good players on this team. You know, people kind of wanted to rib the Big 12 for not giving Steve Sarkeesian the Big 12 Coach of the Year. And I think he might have taken that out on Mike Gundy a little bit at the Big 12 championship. But the truth is, Sark was supposed to win the Big 12, I feel like. I feel like they had the most talented roster. I feel like they had the best players. And I also feel like they had the best coaches, top to bottom. And so this shouldn't be a surprise, but for a lot of Texas fans suffering from PTSD, you had to see it to believe it. Now it's it's we're we're seeing it we're believing it and it's a it's on the backbones a lot of these guys we're about to talk about. Yeah, I don't know if you use the bookmark feature much on Twitter, but uh, some people do, and um, I can always tell when my notifications pop up for month old tweets. Uh, and one I found was one from back in April when RG three Pete Thamel and David Pollock were talking about who's going to win the Big Twelve, and uh, David Pollock gave Texas no chance. Meanwhile, RG3 gave the Longhorns uh, his pick. So that was a uh, – it's interesting to look back. And now we're going to talk about the players who helped make that possible. Uh, We're just going to kind of go through the the normal gamut of postseason awards for the Longhorns. Uh, We'll do offensive and defensive MVP, most improved on each side of the ball, and newcomer of the year on each side of the ball. Could be a freshman or transfer there. Don't want to take up – too, too much time. And then finally, we'll end with play of the year. So, Justin, who is your offensive MVP for the Longhorns? Before the injury, it would have been Jonathan Brooks. I think he was the bell cow. I think he was actually the guy that was making the biggest plays when Texas kind of needed it in that middle part of the schedule, middle part of the season. I would have given it to Jonathan Brooks because I felt like he's been kind of the bell cow. And you can make a case for Xavier Worthy and Adnan Mitchell, but I kind of feel like they cross each other out. I think you have to give it to Quinn Ewers. The guy has has played phenomenal this season, especially coming off an injury midway through after the Houston game. And, you know, there were some doubts about how well he'd be able to play if he would stay healthy. And the last two games they've played, he has been flipping phenomenal. Like he just setting records doing kind of what everyone kind of expected him to do, except he was actually doing it. And so often this is a quarterback award, I feel like. And I think with Texas, you could have given it to three or four different guys, uh, you know, you know, across the board. But I think it's time to give Quinn Ewers his flowers. I think he's my offensive MVP. And granted, I say that because Jonathan Brooks probably gets the vote if he doesn't get hurt. But since he went down, they've had a bunch of guys fill in for him admirably at that. 
I still got to go with Quinn Ewers. I think he's been the rocket ship, and I think his passing is the reason, one of the main reasons Texas is in the position they're in. You know, I think if Jonathan Brooks doesn't get hurt, it's it's easily him. Yes. Um, and, you know, we're looking at it. That was the TCU game. There was, what, two games left after that one for the Longhorns, I believe. So, you know, Quinn yeah. Ewers also missed two games. Uh, but just looking at these past couple weeks, and especially without Brooks, at his disposal, I think Quinn Ewers has taken that title and, and done so in a way that I think most everybody wanted to see. They, they believed yeah. it could happen, but they just yeah. hadn't seen it happen. Uh, and Quinn Ewers over these past few weeks has finally showed to be that MVP quality player for the Longhorns. I think Brooks is right there behind him. You know, you probably go Xavier Worthy uh, with number three. Um, I'm trying to think if there's somebody from the offensive line who's deserving. What is it about Worthy, though, that you would take over Mitchell? Because Mitchell actually has better numbers. And I know Worthy's had some big, big plays, but to me, I just felt like they canceled each other, which is a great problem to have. But, I mean, Mitchell actually had – Worthy got more honors. Mitchell had better numbers. It's kind of funny how that worked out. You know, I, I think if you ask – if you were able to go to all 12 or all 13 yeah, I know game where you're plans. going with this. Yeah, yeah, if you went to all 13 game plans – Number one is is listed on the priority list and above number five. And to Mitchell's credit, you know he he's reaped the benefits of that. He's been a great receiver. It, it it doesn't mean that he's been, you know, anything less than than great. It's just that they focus on worthy because they know that they can that he can run by everybody and he plays off that with his play. Mitchell's been able to take advantage of that winning one on one battles. So um, I'll, I would give it to Worthy over Mitchell if we're doing a vote. I think if we had to give it to an offensive lineman, you and I would probably go – I think it has to be Kelvin Banks with Christian Jones just a smidge behind. It'll be one of the tackles. And, and yeah. I think Jake Majors has been great this year. Don't get it twisted, especially on that interior line that's been dealing with injuries, a lot of moving and shaking. The tackles have been what they need to be, cornerstones. It's almost like there are a lot of good players on a 12 and one playoff team. That's, that's the piggyback of it all right there. This one may be a, a little bit of a shorter discussion. Defensive MVP. Um, I think there's basically three options here, and two play the same position. I'm trying to figure out who you think should be number one from the defensive side of the football. I mean, Tavondre Sweat is the guy. Tavondre Sweat coming back changed everything. We saw it in the spring where he just continually dominated the interior first-team offensive line to the point we didn't know how good the interior first-team O-line was going to look. But then you had to factor in the Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy proviso. And I think it's really difficult. I mean, Tavondre Sweat definitely gets it. But the most underrated dude on that other side of the ball is, is Jade Barron because of his versatility, because he's playing through injuries, because he just somehow is always around the ball when you need him. He is great in run support at his spot. Barron has been tr tremendous. Jalen Ford's had a great year. It wasn't as good as last year, but that was tough because he had an incredible year last year. Anthony Hill had another great year, but top to bottom, it's got to start with Devondre Sweat and end with Jade Barron, in my opinion. I, I think it goes Sweat, then Murphy, then Barron. Um, I, Texas has a defensive tackle duo that is the envy of 132 teams. Yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anybody in college football right now, even among the college football playoff teams, even among the teams in, you know, you, you look east, you look west, you look north. 
you look at Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. I don't think they have those guys right now that that Texas does. And uh, not it's a credit to Sweat no. coming. It, it's a it's a credit to Sweat for for coming back. Uh, it's a credit to Murphy for being willing to be developed, and the same goes for Sweat. Credit to uh, Bo Davis, and, and, a, and a credit to Pete Witkowski for for making use of two just elite college defensive tackles who are going to get paid a lot of money to play in the pros. And I, I think it goes those two. And then Barron. Barron, I think our, our buddy Ian Boyd has noted, he allows guys like Ford, guys like Hill, even guys like Benda to play a little bit differently. He erases so much space at that nickel position yeah. that it allows the linebackers to stay home a little bit closer and maybe fill in on on, on run plays a, a little bit better. Uh, he's He's been crucial this year and you know even though he got got a couple times against oklahoma state he's made big plays the uh, pick against alabama uh the 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 stop against houston he's been key in a lot of different situations and i think he's definitely worthy of mention for for mo- uh, defensive player of the year we got most improved on the offensive side of the ball and uh just so you know i'll go ahead and say that you can give the same player multiple awards you may see my uh, my pick with my statement with that statement there, but I'll go ahead and let you go. Most improved on offense. Most improved on offense. You know, it, <laughs> it's really hard not to give it again to Quinn Ewers because of you know the transition from last year to this year, getting a, a year of the of the offense under his belt. He kind of took it on the chin a little bit last year and came out this year with firing out with confidence, spinning the pill. I feel like that's probably going to be your pick as well. I will. I'm going to, you know, I don't want to give it to Quinn because I've already given it to him once, even though he's probably the most deserving. But, you know, I'm going to give it to Gunnar Helm. And the reason why is because he, the expectations on Gunnar were always pretty low. The ceiling was a nice, a nice fit. The potential was kind of there, but you didn't know exactly what you got. And everyone talked about Jatavian Sanders. That's all anybody for good reason. For good reason. But Gunnar Helm, who had played sparingly over the last what year, couple years, kind of became a decent little weapon this year. And when Sanders got hurt, Helm came in and, and actually did some really good things. And so Comeback player is generally a guy that had been hurt the year before, or had a bad season the year before, or things of that sort. But I'm going to switch it up a little bit because I think you'll make a good, a good, a good point for, for yours. And I think Gunnar Helm is vastly underrated in what Texas needed this year. He's filled he filled a spot and he became important. And to me, I, I got to give I'm going to give Gunnar the nod. I really like that pick because. Think about it. He didn't play that much last year. If they wanted two tight ends on the field, they would deploy Andre Carriage as the sixth lineman, basically. Yeah. Not yeah. so much, uh, not so much Gunner Helm. They still utilize the sixth line. This year was Malik Ogbo, but Helm played more and Helm did a lot of good things. And there were a couple games when Jatavian Sanders wasn't full go. There may have been one where he didn't even play, and Helm was tight end one, and he Filled in admirably. I really like that pick. I think he's number two, maybe around there. Uh, I think number one has to be Quinn Ewers, and I think it it's pretty simple just looking at the stats. Uh, he has two hundred last year, fifty eight percent completion percentage, not good for a modern offense. No. This year, seventy one percent, great for any offense. Uh, Thirty one hundred yards, twenty one touchdowns. 
He has, let's see, 55 more attempts this year than last year. Same amount of interceptions, six more touchdowns. Oh, and he ran the ball. Still got got the injury bug, but this this team was able to take off because Quinn Ewers played a lot better, protected the football, continued to excel in the short, intermediate, and RPO game, hit a few more deep shots, not a ton more, but a few more, right. and really was able to help this offense more, way, way more than he ever heard it. Um, I think he's the the most improved guy on offense with 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 ease. And I think Helm may be one of the guys right behind him. Most improved on defense. It's a uh, tough one. That is because I mean everybody's kind of played to their to the potential and nobody was coming off like really a bad year. Um I think I've got a good one. I, I like David Benda. Yeah, but that's almost a, a senior award. It's like, hey, you've been through the trenches, you you've stayed through the good times and the bad, and and you've improved each year. And Bender was big against Iowa State. He was big in some of these games this year, um, but it that insinuates he was down or hurt the year before or something like that. But um, it, that was a tough one. I'm curious what you're going to go with because I'll, I'll probably I'd probably go with with David Benda or or Ethan Burke. I think Burke was a guy that what we saw flashes of last year. He had some injuries. They were nagging. They, they, they went into the spring and into the summer. And then when he was on the field, that kid made an impact. That's a guy that PK and Sark are, are very big on in the future of this program. And so I'll reverse it. I thought Benda would have been a good choice, but that almost feels like a, um, like a, uh, a, a, a gas camp type award. And we'll go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and go with, with uh, Ethan Burke. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Three... I'll say Benda. I like that one. Two, I'll say Ethan Burke. I think that's the the right pick. Number one, Alfred Collins. Uh, He was big for the defensive line this year. We talk a whole lot about uh, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. The reason those guys played well last year and allowed the other two defensive tackles to play well is because they could rotate. Alfred Collins needed to be consistent enough to maintain that rotation and he did that. And also, for some reason, teams brought in personnel packages that put him on the field by Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, and it yes. did not work out. Give Vernon Broughton a little tip, too, because Broughton has brought it a little bit as well. Both of those guys. Yeah, the, the defensive tackle rotation, being able to maintain that allowed for Murphy and Sweat to have the big type of years that they did. And a lot of that has to be – a lot of that is due to, to Alfred Collins. So I think Benda three, Burt two, uh, and then Collins one. I, but Broughton four. I, I think that's a good one too because 
he was a uh, he wasn't a guy you could rely on every down. Uh, he was basically a pass rushing defensive tackle. Now you can play him on first, second, third down, and, and be satisfied, and if not at the bare minimum, with what he can do. He's going to be valuable next year. I'll tell you that. Texas fans are going to love him next year. All right. We're moving on to defensive newcomer of the year. We'll switch the order up real quick. Freshman or transfer. Uh, So it's not a freshman of the year. It's not a transfer of the year. But newcomer of the year on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. For me, that's the newcomer. That's Anthony Hill. Uh, It's got to be Agent Zero 2.0. You know, Anthony Hill, we knew he was good. We knew he had potential. We knew he was a legit five-star coming out of high school. I don't know if we knew he would make this immediate of an impact. We always kind of factored it in when we talk about preseason stuff, talk about it in the summer, post-recruiting class stuff. Hey, this is a guy that will play early, da-da-da-da-da. But did we really think he was going to be a freshman All-American? Did we really think he was going to take the starting job by Oklahoma? I mean, maybe maybe we should have known that, but Anthony Hill decided to just do it on his own. And I think his presence beside Jalen Ford and when he's there with David, you know, David Benda in, in some cases, I think was huge because we saw we saw a guy that plays with his hair on fire. We saw a guy that tracks and smacks sideline to sideline. And so you could there's a couple, I think you could could make a case for a couple guys actually. I, I love Derek Williams. You know, I'm, that's that's the underrated one of the newcomer group because I don't think people know how valuable he is in that secondary back there. The guy's taking more snaps than most of these other guys the second half of the season. But it's Anthony Hill. He's been tremendous top to bottom. I think the the thing that stands out to me most about Anthony Hill is that he's starting now. And that's ahead of someone like David Benda, who's had a quality year. That's ahead of someone like Mo Blackwell, who's kind of had yeah. shifted his roles. But Anthony Hill is starting alongside Jalen Ford, and I think that speaks to the trust that the coaches now have in him. He, he got a lot of rotational snaps at will, I guess second-string snaps, had a lot of specialty or situational pass rush snaps throughout the early portion of the year. But now he's playing traditional off-ball linebacker, and you're seeing him make really firm tackles, to say the least, and doing the right yeah. things with his assignments. I think he's easily the newcomer of the year. I like Derek Williams for number two, and I think Manny Muhammad's got to be number three. Uh, there aren't a ton of freshmen who've gotten playing time on defense. Um, even you know someone like Samir Muhammad, Mitchell. you mentioned it. Manny Muhammad's made made a mark. So uh, someone like Sadir Mitchell hadn't played a ton. Leonga LaFowle hasn't seen a lot of action. Uh, you know Jelani McDonald mostly special teams, at least on defense that I'm talking about. So. I think it's easily – it goes number three, Muhammad, number two, Williams, and then number one, our guy, Anthony Hill. Offensive newcomer of the year. I feel like this one there, – there are a couple options here, but there's just one obvious choice. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those that you could go freshman, but you'd be wrong. Uh, you know, C.J. Baxter's done really well. We, we've seen Jonte Cook catch a few balls. Uh, we, we've seen we've seen a few of the freshmen kind of make their mark. Adonai Mitchell, there's not a bigger newcomer in the conference. I mean, I think hell, I think he was Big Twelve offensive newcomer or co newcomer of the year. However they however they name that, you know, you you made a great point. Defenses are more geared up against Xavier Worthy than they are Mitchell, and that might be why Adonai Mitchell's had such a great season. You know, wherever he goes, he seems to win. 
It just has that about him. He's got a great personality. And we have talked about this ad nauseum. Quinn Ewers needed a deep threat. Worthy was not it. Enter Adnan Mitchell, problem solved. And I think that's one reason we're talking about a 12-1 and team in the college football playoff. That's my newcomer. And it's, I mean, I, I think that one's obvious. I think so, too. I don't have much more to add. Special teams player of the year, I'm springing this one on you. Is it Burt or is it Sanborn? Well, I mean, for me, it's Burt. For you, for me, it's Sanborn. No, for me, it's Burt. Oh, it's Burt, too? That Look, much. All right, if you ask Jeff Banks, he'd tell you Sanborn. If you ask Sark, he'd probably tell you, you Burt. I mean, I don't know if we – I think Texas just – the expectations for Burt were, were just be solid. You know, make the extra points, be good from 40 and in, 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 and if we have to have you beyond that, you know, give us, you know, a good percentage. Bert set records, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody predicted anything like that. We knew about Hunter Lawrence. We knew about Dusty Mangan. We knew about Justin Tucker. We knew about Anthony Farah. We knew about all those guys coming in. We didn't really know about Bert Auburn. All we knew was the hair. That's all we knew was the sideshow Bob look from Simpsons, and that guy – He's more than hair. He's foot, and he's good at it. Oh, man. Special uh, honorable mention, I think, has to go to Trey Wisner and Keaton Crawford uh, for their limited Oh, God. Standard yes. downs. Those guys have made some hard tackles, some big plays, not just on punt team, but on kickoff and kick return. Xavier Worthy, we can't forget about him. He's getting All-America honors. Yeah, he's getting all American, exactly. He's getting more nominations than he did in the Big 12. But I, I do think that this season doesn't look the same if, if Burt Auburn's not the kicker and not making No, you're exactly game. right. And it's the same thing with Anthony Fair in 2013. Texas is not playing for a Big 12 championship against Baylor in that last game in Waco without Anthony Farah. Texas is not in the college football playoff without Sideshow Burt. One half away 10 years ago, but got the job done this year. All right, last one I've got, play of the year. I'm I'm having to think about this one a little bit too. There's like five uh, or six of them, man. I mean, I know. I'll let you go first. That way I, I don't steal your thunder. I think my play of the year is the third down conversion at TCU because think of all the different aspects. It's you're reeling. Your, your yes. team is reeling. TCU has made a furious comeback, and your offense yes. hasn't done anything over the course of the second half. Quinn Ewers is back in his first game, and uh, he's showing signs of, of you know being beat up a little bit, I believe. Uh, but at the same time, he's, he's showing also some signs of being why he was a starter in the first place. And you're at a have-to-have-it first down that will literally end the game, and you throw it deep to A.D.E. Mitchell. And I think that spoke volumes about Steve Sarkeesian's trust, not only in Quinn Ewers, not only in Adonai Mitchell, but in his team. He could have just ran the ball, forced TCU to burn the timeout and say, okay, defense, go get a go get That's a stop. That's not Sark's way of thinking, though. You haven't done it yet, but you, I'm asking you to do it again. No, he went and took that game with his running star running back in the locker room, with you know his quarterback dinged up still, uh, and with his team reeling, he still put the ball in his guy's hands and told his one of his best playmakers to go make a play, and he did, and it won in the game. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's a, a play that spurned belief or spurred belief in the rest of the team that, look, we can go make a play any time. We can do this whenever, no matter what the situation is. 
that carried over to Iowa State. It surely carried over to Texas Tech, and it obviously carried over against Oklahoma State with some big moments. I think that's my play of the year. I know it's not the biggest opponent, and it wasn't you know the, the highest of stakes. They all have high stakes. It's college football. Uh, but I think that was one that really spurred belief in the team, uh, belief that they needed at that point, and it was a heck of a play in the process. It was it was crucial in that victory. You did not want to give TCU the ball back. I, I agree completely. You can make a case for Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy catching touchdowns. You can make a case for Adonai Mitchell's touchdown against Bama, where he just looked at the crowd did this because that touchdown pretty much put a nail in the coffin. You can make a case for all those, but you know what? I'm going to stay in the same game you're in, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Ewers makes a bad mistake, gets picked, and Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy don't give up on the play. They hustle all the way back across the field. One of, I believe, Whittington forces the fumble. I believe Worthy picks up the fumble, if I'm correct, or it might be the other way around. Either way, that play encapsulated the culture Sark is building. Wasn't against a big opponent like you talked about earlier. Wasn't even in a critical moment of the game. That 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 third down pass you called was was easily uh, you know more important. But show me a play where everybody because you you coach all the time, rally to the ball, never give up to the whistle, constantly play through the whistle, and you see guys that don't. They're not always bought in, and then you see Quinn make a mistake, and what's Jordan and Xavier do? They try to fix it. To me, that that summarizes the culture of Steve Sarkeesian. And I think it also makes the younger guys look at each other and go, Jordan Whittington's been here for six years. Where are these a three-year guy that seemed like he's played longer? Those are veterans making those plays. You have freshmen watching that, knowing, okay, wait a minute, that's the culture. That's the way you're supposed to do it. That's the type of play that makes a mark years into the program. We can't forget about the fourth down stop, the four stops inside the 10-yard the line in overtime against Kansas State. I think that's one Steve Sarkeesian himself kind of chose and, and thought of as a, a moment to look back on. Uh, but we got different opinions. We got different choices. And that'll yeah, do it. Ryan Watts, bait and switch. That was in the conversation too, the Ryan's what. But I'm telling you, nothing shows the culture bigger than that hustle play. Hustle plays will get me every time. You hustle, I'm in your corner. I'm with you there. Thank you so much for watching this edition of Questions Answered. Thank you for watching On Texas Football. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, head to Inside Texas. You can use our college football playoff special to get access $1 for one month. That gets you basically to the national championship game, and we know you're going to want to stick around after that. Justin, thank you so much for joining me. For our producer, Matthew Hutchinson, I'm Joe Cook. We'll see you next week on Questions Answered on On Texas Football.